Justification is the topic of chapter 5, and your outlines seem to lay out a sermon that will cover the whole chapter, but as I was thinking it through and praying it through, I'm only going to preach through verses 1 to 11 in these moments. In the second half of chapter 5, God willing, will take up a week from this morning. So we won't get through all of your sermon outlines. Don't be alarmed. Justification is the subject of chapter 5 of Romans. And in verses 1 to 11, the ones we'll tackle this morning, we see justification's blessings. Uh, Justification's blessings, which are several. I'm going to give you three by overview fashion. The first, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 of Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Very quickly, in overview fashion, there are three main blessings of justification in the verses which I've just read with you. I'm going to overview the three quickly and then take them apart individually. Three blessings of justification. The first blessing of justification is peace with God. See it there in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And see it again in verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The first blessing of, of justification is peace with God. The second blessing of justification is the hope of grace. The hope of grace. I see that in verses 2 through 9 and then 11. See it with me. Through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And then skipping down to verse 11, and not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So the second blessing of justification is the hope of grace. If you're justified, you have the hope of grace. We'll see what that means in a little bit. The third blessing of justification is praise for God. When you are justified, you are free and responsible for praising God. Praising God. See it with me in verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So the three blessings of justification Say it with me. Peace with God. Again, peace with God. That's the first blessing. Second blessing, the hope of grace. Ready? The hope of grace. Third blessing of justification, praise for God. Again, praise for God. So let's take these apart one by one. The first blessing of justification of God acquitting you as a believer in his son to declare you innocent, although you are guilty. The first blessing of that justification work of God is peace with God. I see that in verses 1 and 10, as I've shown you just a moment ago. This peace with God that justification makes possible involves reconciliation. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, you only can have peace with God. I can only have peace with God if I'm justified and you're justified and we are reconciled to God. We all need reconciliation to God until we're saved. We have none. But after we're genuinely saved, born again, and converted, we now have been given the grace gift of peace with God. Aren't you glad? You sit here at peace with God if you're saved. Now, it's not just that It's a point-in-time reconciliation. It's also an ongoing, perpetual reconciliation. You have been reconciled, and you are being reconciled moment to moment, moment to moment. Hebrews 7.25, just listen. Therefore he, that is Jesus Christ, therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since... He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is praying for you at the Father's right hand. You've been reconciled if you're saved. You have peace with God if you're saved. And yes, Jesus, your great high priest, prays for you at his Father's right hand. Amazing. Let me tell you what reconciliation is not. What reconciliation is not, let me illustrate. If you live on the west end of this island at Coral Harbor, and I live on High Vista in the Parsonage off Eastern Road, reconciliation is not us agreeing to meet at Arawak Fish Fry. That's not biblical reconciliation. God didn't come halfway to us, and we came halfway to him, and therefore we're now reconciled. Oh, no, 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 no. If you live in Coral Harbor, 
and I live off Eastern Road, and I want to be reconciled, I would go to Coral Harbor. That's what God did in Christ. Jesus stepped across the stars and galaxies that he created by the word of his mouth, and he came to earth, the dusty old tennis ball called earth, full of rebels. He lived amongst us. He healed us. He taught us. He died for us. He rose for us. He ascended for us. He intercedes for us. And one day he returns for us. Biblical reconciliation is God coming all the way to us even while we were in rebellion. It's not Arawak. Jesus came to you all the way to you when you couldn't come to him. Peace with God involves reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 He, God the Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you're saved, you're justified. If you're saved, you have peace with God. If you're saved, you're reconciled to God because the Father heaped unto Jesus all of your sins, past, present, and future. And when he died in agony and shed his blood on that cross, he was bearing your sins and mine. And nature was sympathetic that the common fellowship and closeness between God the Father and God the Son for the first time in all of history was broken for three hours while Jesus bore your sin and mine on the cross. And the Father, as it were, turned his back on his Son as he bore our sins. In the Palestinian noonday, sun went black as night. There was an earthquake. Graves in Jerusalem were shook so hard that dead believers came out of those graves and walked around alive for a time. They died again eventually. Oh, yes, the first blessing of justification is that we have peace with God that came at great cost to the Godhead. Have you been reconciled to God? Have you realized and acknowledged that you couldn't run to God in sin, but in Christ, God came right all the way to you? Trust Christ and only Christ. Accept the free gifts of forgiveness and heaven and peace with God and reconciliation and justification if you've never done it before. The next blessing of being reconciled is the hope of grace. I see that in verses 2 to 9 and verse 11. The hope of grace. I see two dimensions to the hope of grace due to justification. I see a future aspect of the hope of grace, which has two parts. The two future parts of the hope of grace for the justified. First, glory, verse 2b. into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. The hope of grace starts with a future aspect, which is one day we will share in Christ's glory. The second future blessing of the hope of grace is no wrath. Verse 9. 
Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We shall be spared from the wrath of God through Christ if we're saved. We won't stand before the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20 and have all the deeds of our sins paraded out and be sentenced to degrees of punishment in a literal hell. The future hope of grace for the believer is not having to stand before Jesus as a judge as the great white throne judgment. But there's also a present aspect of the hope of grace when you're justified. And that is found in verses 3 to 8. I'd like to read them again. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The future aspects of the hope of grace are being able to share in God's glory and having no judgment or wrath at the great white throne judgment, and the present dimension of the hope of grace for the justified has three things to it. You ready? Number one, we gain free access to God that we didn't have before we were saved and justified. Free access or admittance to God. Verse 2a, through whom, 2a, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Like you maybe, uh, some of uh, you may, along with me in the past, appreciated Life Magazine. Life Magazine was sort of a pictorial uh, magazine before things like People Magazine and things like that. And there were very many famous black and white pictures in Life Magazine years gone by. And I remember with great interest and it stirred my imagination when I saw JFK in the, in the Oval Office seated at the president's desk and below him in the center part of the president's desk was John Jr. as a little boy playing uh, at his father's feet while his father uh, presided over Congress and the Senate and world affairs. How did John Jr. get in the Oval Office? How could he have been playing at the feet of the President of the United States while the President was on phone calls and writing letters and all those things? Simple. John Jr. was son to JFK. And that gave him an introduction to be with his daddy, wherever his daddy was, whether it was at the beach at Hyannisport or whether it was even in the Oval Office because John Jr. had an introduction to be with the president based on being the president's boy. When we are justified, we have the blessing of the hope of grace of having access to God Almighty. We can go into his presence at any time, about anything, and he'll be there for us. He'll listen to our prayers. Amazing.
the hope of grace. One aspect of the present hope of grace is this free access and admittance to God that I've just spoken of. The second aspect of the present time quality of justification's blessing and the hope of grace is spiritual growth in times of trouble. To be human in a fallen world is to have times of trouble. If you think no one, anyone in this congregation sits here today without trouble, do you know what I know? You don't know that person very well yet. We all have troubles. The man in the pulpit and you in the pew, we all have troubles because we live in a fallen world and we battle flesh. But the great thing about justification and the hope of grace is that we can see spiritual growth out of our troubles. Verses 3 and 4, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You can know, justified believer, that whatever trouble you are in the middle of right now, you can see God bring spiritual growth to you in that very trouble if you have your eyes fixed on him in faith. Missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, opened an orphanage and founded a mission and rescued Indian girls out of sex slavery. But Amy Carmichael's life was full of troubles. She was seriously injured in a fall and was bedridden for most of the last 20 years of her life. She wrote lots of books during the time of being bedridden. This is what she said. This is what Amy Carmichael said about troubles. I think God wants to make me pure gold. So he's burning off the dross, teaching me the meaning of the fire the burnt offering, the death of the self part of me. Amy Carmichael, 20 years in bed due to a back injury, understood the fire, understood the refining process of God, understood that the dross of her life that needed to be burned off by her trials was a self-life. She was victorious in her troubles. Actually, it says in verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult, E-X-U-L-T. In the Greek, in verse 3, this means to brag about or to boast in. This is striking. Because of grace, because of the hope of grace, you that are justified, we can actually brag or boast in our pressures and in our problems. Because our pressures and our problems are God's special doorways into proven Christian character. You haven't noticed a tea bag is not much use until it gets thrown into boiling water? It's true with the Christian life. We don't have much to offer unless we've been thrown into the hot water and Jesus has brought us through. Paige Patterson 
commented on this whole truth that the hope of grace, the hope of the justified, can be that we can spiritually grow through our troubles. Paige Patterson commented on this truth when he observed that our adversities are God's universities. God's university is your adversity. So, quick review. Because of the hope of grace, we have free access to God, and we experience spiritual growth right out of our troubles. But there's more. Third, because of God's grace, we gain a deep sense of God's proven love during our times of trouble. We gain a deep sense of God's proven, not theoretical, God's proven love during our times of trouble. If I open it up for testimonies right now and ask people to come to the mic as to how they learned the proven love of God for them in trials and problems, we'd be here the rest of today. Verses 5 through 8. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Proven love of God, seen in troubles. When I was a young pastor, I fell into a clinical depression. I didn't really know if I would ever be able to pastor again because I was so depressed. Not the blues, but clinical depression where brain amines in my mind were not properly balanced. Can't focus on reading, you can't really... Put your own socks on. Certainly couldn't work. But the proven love of God in that trial in my life expressed God's love. God expressed his love through this woman. She loved me through it all. It wasn't easy to love when I was depressed. But she loved me. My uncle, who just went to be with Christ, Dr. Carl, he let me use his home on the lake with my family while I was depressed. The proven love of God. Walking down the shore in a November rainstorm at that beach property, and there's a man I do not know who is. He's casting a line into the rough white caps of Lake Huron, and he's got a honking lake trout like this at his feet. I've never seen a fish that big. And even, you know, when you're depressed, you don't want to talk to anybody. You hope you won't meet anybody, but here he's right in my path. So I mustered a hello. He said, hello? I've been here all day in the driving rain, and this is the only fish I've caught. And I said, well, I'm happy you caught one. I'll see you later. So I walk down the beach quite a ways, and there's no other way back to the cottage, but I have to pass this fisherman again, and honestly, I didn't want to talk to him. So I try to skirt by him while he's casting, but he notices me, and he says, Hey, man. Hi. You know, I've been thinking, 
This is the only fish I've caught, but I want you to have it. I just started crying. I didn't know if my face was wet from rain or from tears. I think it was wet from both. I said, sir, you'll never know how much that means to me. But I can't take your fish because I don't enjoy fish. And I want you and your family to eat it because I I wouldn't. But you cannot know how much what you just did for me means to me. God's proven love, and I could go on, in that time of clinical depression, had some deep waters, experienced God's proven love. I'm sure you have. The blessings of God's justification are outstanding to review peace with God, the hope of grace, which includes future glory and no wrath, present time hope of grace, free access to God, spiritual growth out of troubles, and a deep sense of God's proven love during our troubles. The third and the last blessing in our verses, a blessing of justification, is praise for God. Praise for God, verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. He is exulting in God. He is praising God for justification. And we must. According to verse 11, it is dead wrong for the justified to be silent. When we ponder, when we dwell on, when we think about, when we study justification and reconciliation, we cannot be silent without sinning. Silent Christians are sinning Christians. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107, 1 to 8. Listen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then... They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. The silent Christian is the sinning Christian because of all the blessings we know in this chapter, laid out as justification, reconciliation with God. Oh, maybe never be silent. Don't be silent. Praise God. And not when we assemble here for these special moments on Sundays, not just here, everywhere, with everybody. <laughs> now let's take some applications. We've seen... What, is, what do the verses say? We've seen what do the verses mean. 
Now we have to ask, so what? What difference should these verses make in your life and mine? Let's take the first truth about peace with God. What difference should the fact that you are at peace with God if you're saved, what difference should that make Monday to Saturday? Well, I think of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He came to his senses after feeding pigs and eating their slop, went back to his dad to ask for forgiveness. The father did something that ancient Near Eastern fathers never did. He ran to the boy. Picture of reconciliation. He ran to the boy. Now, when the boy got forgiven, when he got the ring on his finger, when they had the barbecue, you know what? This text doesn't tell us exactly what happened after that. But you know what I know is true? He lived a thank you kind of life with his daddy on the farm after that. He didn't have secret sins on the farm. He didn't boast and insist on self-determinations on the farm. He didn't harbor unforgiveness. He never disrespected his daddy who forgave him so lavishly. And he was never silent about the grace his daddy showed him. text doesn't tell me any of that, but I believe that's all true. What about you? You've been given the astounding and surprising gift through Christ of peace with God. You ought to live in the light of that grace under the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. What about the hope of grace? That's a big category in this passage. The hope of grace, the first thing we saw, a future hope of glory. Glory is God's perfections. And one day, according to 1 John 3, 2, we shall be made to be like him when we see him. When we see our Savior, we will be made to be like him. That's glorification. So we better start glowing now. If we're going to glow perfectly when we see Jesus, why don't we glow now? Glow now. Our faces, our speech, our hands and our feet should beg the question, what's up with you? (laughs) What makes you tick? Glow now. The hope of grace, the future hope of grace. No wrath, no standing before Christ at the great white throne judgment. Our sins are paid for. We don't have to pay for our sins in hell. No wrath. I think of Jesus' story in Matthew 18 on forgiveness. In Jesus' story, a slave owed more than he could have earned on slave wages in his whole life. And he went to debtor's prison, and in debtor's prison you earn nothing. But yet, in mercy, he was released and forgiven his debt. And there was another slave that owed this released and forgiven slave about two days' wages as a slave. And the guy that was forgiven more debt than he ever could have repaid insisted on being paid back the two weeks' wages from the other slave. And the other slave said, just give me a little time and I'll pay you back. He didn't, and he insisted, and he had the man with the lesser debt thrown into debtor's prison. Basically, Jesus taught that if your life is characterized by unforgiveness, that you are not yet forgiven by God. And so what will be a practical application of no wrath as a part of the hope of grace? Pass on the pardon. You've been pardoned everything. Should you not also pardon others, even if they don't ask you for your pardon? 
The guy who did you wrong in that business deal passed on the pardon. The guy that cut you off in traffic passed on the pardon. The man that walked out of you of your life and your family, pass on the pardon. The father who abused you and neglected you and abandoned you, pass along the pardon. School teacher who wasn't fair to you in grading, pass on the pardon. What about the free access to God as part of the hope of grace? The free access to God calls us to pray. In that war room movie, when the older lady went into her war room, her prayer closet, then the younger woman went into her war room, every time they stepped into those war rooms, God heard them. And because you, if you are a Christian, have free access to the God of everything, we ought to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Do you know what that means? We pray with our eyes open sometimes. I pray on the way to work. You can all be grateful I don't close my eyes. Pray with your eyes open. Pray without ceasing. What about spiritual growth out of troubles? Spiritual growth out of troubles, how does this flesh itself out in real life? Well, it fleshes itself out in transparency, being transparent with others in the body of Christ. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. I cannot bear your burden if you don't tell me what your burden is. You cannot bear my burden unless I risk and tell you what my burden is. We want to see God create a culture in this incredible body of Christ that we bear one another's burdens, that we're transparent with each other, that we get past superficial talk, that we're not such a big hurry to speak while someone else is speaking to us, but we listen. We want God to create that culture in the credible body of Christ. What could you do? Well, this is what you could do. Before next Sunday, you could pick up the phone and phone somebody in this church family and tell them a burden of yours. It's a risk. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If you phone someone up this week and give that person your burden, you know what's probably going to happen? They're going to reciprocate and say, well, I have a burden too. Can't help with some, someone's burden if you don't know what it is. They won't know what it is unless you tell them. Transparency. Uh, under hope of grace still, a deep sense of God's proven love while we are in troubles. Uh, that happens when we're in the word of God with a thankful heart. You will sense God's proven love for you and your troubles when you stay in the book and you read of his love and it reminds you of his love and you have a thankful heart. Going back to war room, the young wife who was in such uh, anger over her husband's uh, selfishness, when she prayed, she was in the Bible, she prayed scripture and she had a thankful heart ahead of time for God to change her husband and fix their home. If you want to have a deep sense of God's proven love for you when you are suffering, then get in this book with a grateful heart. 
Peace with God, we've talked about. Hope of grace, we've talked about. Last, praise for God. This is a screaming need. The need for believers in the Lord to praise him publicly, to praise him audibly, to praise him openly is a screaming need of the Old and the New Testament. Jesus said this on the occasion of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. People are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees, the wet blanket on the picnic, said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Jesus is saying, it's so fitting, it's so apropos, it's so logical, it's so reasonable, it's so demanded that people who have a right relationship with me praise me openly that if they won't, the rocks will. So the time for silence, if you've been silent about praising God at your workplace, is over. The time for silence, if you've been silent about praising God in your marriage, is over. If you've been silent in your business dealings, your transactions, that silence needs to end and you need to be open, verbal, unashamed of praising God in business. Credit the Lord at least once a day. That's my challenge for you and me. Once a day, at least, verbally, credit God. Let me just tell you three things. This is to God's glory. This is not to my glory. In the last week, okay, just the last, since I've been here before you last week, in the last week, I had three opportunities to praise God openly with people I didn't know. First, it was the parking lot attendant at the international airport. I picked up Beth and JD as they flew in from Canada on Wednesday. We're exiting the uh, parking lot. There's a car ahead of me, and they're there for a long time, settling their parking bill. So we sat. Eventually got squared away, and they pulled away. I pulled up to the window, and this lady in the hut said, thank you for your patience. I, I came right to me. I said, well, it is a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gave me patience. She said, amen, brother. (laughs) I had to send a letter to my parents and wanted to send it by courier, by FedEx. So I'm in the store looking after sending this letter by FedEx, and the clerk Says, I tell her, you know, new to the Bahamas, I go through this all the time. I come to be the pastor of Calvary Bible Church. We'll save you a seat on Sunday. Come and join us. That's usually what I say. And then she says, how do you like the Bahamas? I said, well, you know, we always say the weather is great, but the people are better. Then she said, but what do you think of the prices? (laughs) Gets better. She says, there, and she uses a curse word. So I said, well, you know what? The prices are high, but God looks after me and my family well. 
And God looks after me and my family well through the kindness and goodness of the Calvary Bible Church people. Praise Him. After the morning service last Sunday, a man was visiting and he uh, told me about some things and he told me about his uh, wife being due to deliver their first baby in a month. And so, uh, as is my practice, I said, well, let me pray for you. He said, I'd appreciate that. I said, let's do it right now. He said, right now? I said, yes, right now. And so I prayed on the spot with him. His wife wasn't out, but I prayed for her and the baby and for him. And In other words, we have to praise God. It should just spill out of us naturally. Praise on the inside will spill out outside just naturally. There's always a reason to praise God publicly. There's always an opportunity to praise God publicly. So we don't miss it, right? Justification. God's work of declaring rebels innocent, acquitting us because of Christ. Blessings are three in the text. Peace with God, hope of grace, and praise for God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your justifying work. Uh, We praise you for the great cost that you were willing to pay for that justification and that Jesus was willing to pay when he went to the cross for us. Lord, I pray that we would respond and walk in response to justification, knowing we have peace with you, knowing we have hope of grace, and knowing we have praise for you. Bless this congregation as we seek to put into shoe leather the truth that we've seen together this morning. For you are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And the family said, Amen.